Welcome to the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Julian Gill. Today I'm joined by Lonnie. What's up? Ken. Hello there. And the master of disaster, Marcus Almighty. Mark, this week we're going to be, or in this episode, we're going to be talking about an album. And this album is the choice or the pick of Mark. So, Mark, why don't you lead us into this album and tell us why you forced us to listen to it? First of all, I'm still in shock over that comment that you made just before we started. Uh, But the album, which is probably no surprise to most people who like good metal music, and that is Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell. Okay, so... Why did I pick this album? Well, the the simplest first answer that I'll give you is because it's an excellent record. Probably the best record. And this is going to be something that might cause some ruckus amongst the Black Sabbath community. But this is but this is probably, in my opinion, if not one of the best, but probably the best Black Sabbath album, period. Mm. Okay? Uh I I rank it up there in in my personal opinion, uh, my one of my favorite Black Sabbath albums, and I know I've actually said this before too. From from Ozzy, the debut is my favorite. I've always loved that first record. I have about five copies of different copies of it. You know, Irish pressing this and that. You know, I I love it. But for me, the one thing that I've always said, and I know this has caused pages and pages of debate whenever I've said this on people's pages that. When they got Dio in the band, the quality of musicianship and music overall like tripled. Because look, let's face it, Ozzy ain't no Dio, okay? He can't sing as good as him. He can't write as good music as him, you know. And the fact of the matter is, I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask all of you out there listening, do do an honest thing for one day. Put this album on and compare it to every Ozzy album that that he's done. And I don't think you can say honestly that they're better than this. There's no way. I mean, the last three are complete piles of garbage. So never say die is crap. <laughs> Technical ecstasy is garbage as well. Sabotage is borderline, you know, borderline decent, decent at best. Okay. The first three are good. Obviously, I mean, Black Sabbath, Paranoid, Masters of Reality is fantastic. Actually, I'll even go as far as to say Blood, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath is a really good record too but is it this no i i don't think is it i mean the and the one thing that this album has over everything else that i mentioned and i'm curious to see who's going to argue this amongst my esteemed colleagues here today is this album was produced by martin birch sonically this album sounds heads and tails above anything else the black sabbath had done that he wasn't involved with okay Yes, Martin did Mob Rules as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's another fantastic record. But it's not Heaven and Hell. I mean, you can go through that whole track listing top to bottom. And, I mean, even when look at, even when they reunited as a band, when Dio came back in the 2000s on his last leg before he unfortunately passed away, yes, fantastic record. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when he came back, that whole album is represented. I think there's only one song that's not off of there. Uh, on that off the off of this record which shows and they always say it every time he 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 introduces a song live he always says how heaven and hell is a fantastic record the best record they've ever made in interviews the best record they've ever made and i i agree with them so i'm i'm curious to your responses gentlemen as to my comments well let's start with um you know just a, a basic introduction here you know what was your first interaction with heaven and hell and black sabbath uh for that matter ken why don't we start with you because i've got construction going on here okay the first introduction <laughs> to black black sabbath uh is really just hearing a, a few of the songs like earlier songs on on the radio or on FM radio, Paranoid and Iron Man, you know, the the, the normal things that you would hear. Um, but I did not buy any back, uh, Black Sabbath back then. I think I got 
uh, a greatest, the greatest hits or the best bite, whatever it was. Uh, Sold our soul for rock and roll. Yeah, that's it. That was the one. Um, I had gotten that one. That was the only one I had. Um, so I really didn't know a lot about Black Sabbath in general. Um, and I asked for for Ronnie James Dio. I did know him after the fact, uh, after he left Black Sabbath and did his solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, career in, in which I I saw him live shortly after I guess on this for his first solo album I saw him live and he did a couple of the tracks off of this album that we're we're going over today um, so yeah I I wasn't a, a collector I didn't know I I had never listened to this album wow yeah, but I have I have my views on it so uh, but uh, which are I I think Mark will like <laughs> so. Well, we're not here to please Mark. We're here to please Lonnie. Lonnie, what <laughs> was right. your what was your first interaction with this uh, album and with Black Sabbath themselves? Well, my first interaction with Black Sabbath themselves, or I guess the Black Sabbath songs, was my brother bought a copy of Ozzy's. Um, what's that that record where he does all the he does all Speak the Speak of the Devil. Speak of the Devil. That's right. Or he does all the Black the Devil, depending where you're from. Yeah. Right. Um, but he, he bought, um, speak of the devil probably when I was junior, junior high-ish, maybe, maybe a little younger than junior high-ish. My brother's a little, is four years older than me. And he got into Ozzy when I was a kid. So my first introduction to those Black Sabbath songs was on speak of the devil. And he played that album over and over and over again. And then he started, you know, and he, you know, he, rounded out his Ozzy catalog between Bark at the Moon and, and Blizzard and, and Diary. And then what, he went back and started getting um, the Sabbath records. So he's, he's really in the Ozzy. He's in the Ozzy almost as much as I'm in the Kiss. So um, he started so he started collecting those albums as well. But we never, or he never, wanted anything to do with Heaven and Hell or the Dio era at all because he was an Aussie fan you know his Black Sabbath stopped after um Ozzy left the band so he bought there, there's that what's that live album that they did with Dio um Live Evil Live Evil he bought Live Evil um because it saw because he had all the classic Sabbath songs on because it had you know a lot of the old classic Sabbath songs on there and he put it put the CD in and and he's like, oh, I don't want this at all. This is an Aussie. And he took it back. This is back when record when Best Buy would actually take a CD back from you. You know, they won't obviously, you know, as times went on, they wouldn't touch a CD that you tried bringing back because all you did was just tape it, but was download it. But anyway, um, so I never so that being said that he never got into Dio Ozzy. I never got into Dio Ozzy until much later. I'd say probably 2007, like when that when they reformed and that how to, and that uh, heaven and hell album came out. And then I saw them with Alice Cooper. Um, and I guess it was Oh seven, Oh eight, probably Oh seven, I guess. Um, and, and that's when I, that's when I really sat down. I mean, I, I knew of the songs, some of the songs on there, but when I first, first time I really sat down and listened to heaven and hell, probably not until 2007 when, um, when Dio came back into the band with, with Tony and geezer. So, my interaction with Black Sabbath started because of my aunt Gina, thank you, auntie, um, who used to send us cassettes from England. And I think I've mentioned on various shows that I've been on that one year she sent Power Age or Power Age, BJ, right? Um, Power Age, Led Zeppelin IV, Master of Reality, and the, there, there were some others. But that was my first Sabbath album, Master of Reality or Masters of Reality, whichever, Master. Um, mm. So that, to this day, remains my fa- favorite Sabbath album, just because it was my first album. I played the hell out of that. You have to remember, at the time, I was listening to predominantly Beatles, John Lennon, and Duran Duran, and Men at Work. So as far as, you know, kind of learning about Sabbath, I knew about Dio before anything because of being part of that MTV generation. So I never really paid much attention i had gone back into the catalog i had um what was it uh paranoid 
I got because obviously that had the recognizable songs. You've someone's mentioned, I think Lonnie, you mentioned Speak of the Devil, which is mm-hmm. one of my probably my favorite Aussie album, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love that the sound of it, uh, his vocals and the band on that album. But getting back to Sabbath, so and I don't remember when I first heard he- Heaven and Hell, it was probably in high school, someone and it didn't do anything for me. Um, it was just it was like poppy Sabbath to me. It was polished. It didn't have that sludgy production that made them evil. It was just <laughs> o- overly polished, kind of happy, dancey songs, which to me weren't that great until this came out. And that's the Heaven and Hell CD with mm-hmm. Ronnie live. And I, I thought that Ronnie then was a far better singer than he was in 1980 and his power and what he brought into those live performances made me go back and buy these albums again heaven and hell and mob rules i've never bought live evil never heard it i've only read the stories <laughs> about it basically breaking up the band so um yeah why, why would i want to listen to live evil when i can listen to heaven and hell so you know I, I don't. Zero interest, and it's got a crappy cover on it as well. So that made me go back and listen to these albums years after they came out. And you know what? I don't think it changes my opinion that much. There are some extraordinarily good songs on this, but the production is I'm not a fan of. And even <laughs> coming on from Never Say Die, which I think Never Say Die has stronger songs in some way. Um, but But there we go. <laughs> Mark. He's laughing at you. Responde. Wow. Wow. That, 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 that was almost like a punch to the nuts there. That never say die has stronger songs. Some of it. I think that's like the bottom of the barrel, like black Sabbath. I I mean, they, they even say themselves that, that that was like an absolute, like last ditch attempt at writing anything with Ozzy, that stuff. Like, come on. I mean, he's, I don't even think that they even played Never Say... I think Never Say Die is the only song that they probably played off of that record live, mm-hmm. probably, but whatever. Um, yeah, so for me personally, when I got into Heaven and Hell, the album, was um, first through television because I had seen Neon Nights on Much Music. So this was long after it had come out, right? And... Um, at first, I was like, wow, what is this? Because I had heard Black Sabbath earlier the same way Lonnie did uh, through Speak of the Devil, which my friend down the street had. He had it in his boombox. I was like, hey, what the hell is this? Because I recognized some of the songs, but the guitar playing was much better than anything I remember from the studio record because Brad Gillis was on there. And he was doing all this crazy whammy bar stuff. And he had this really awesome guitar sound with those mess of boogie amps that he was using then and stuff. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm kind of not ashamed to say it, but. When I went back and listened to the original records, I was like, oh, his guitar tone sucks compared to Brad Gillis. Because, I mean, obviously he had like, you know, introductory made Lonnie Laney amplification, which was just being made at that time. So, you know, those amps are blowing up every 10 minutes on him. So you can't expect him to have a same, you know, huge tone as a guy who has a, you know, fantastically built mess of boogie amp. But anyways, <clears throat> I, I thought I really loved that record. So. I started researching this stuff and then I stumbled across Heaven and Hell. And what I liked about it right away was that I just liked Ronnie's singing much better than Ozzy's. I think he's a far better singer, has much better control. And I think that, you know, he's a better all around musician, songwriter, lyric writer, you know. So it really, it really connected to me. And I also thought that Tony Iommi's guitar playing really, really improved when he entered the band every album that he's done with dio i thought the guitar playing was miles better than he did anything with ozzy i mean the proof is in the pudding i mean listen to 13 that was crap i mean you know and the stuff that he did with dio after like you know the devil you know was was way better way better a record studio record so i think every time dio's been involved with, with with tony iomi i think it's been much much better playing overall. I mean, even live. I mean, that album that Julian put up there, that live from, uh, you know, Radio City Music Hall, inc- incredible. 
I mean, I went and saw them about, I think, four times when they reformed with with uh, Ronnie. And never once did they put on a bad show. And these guys are, you know, already at that point in their 60s for sure. You know, so it's incredible. Yeah, Ronnie was probably in his 70s by then. But in, in terms of, you know, it doesn't feel like a Sabbath album to me. Sabbath is Ozzy. And as much as I'm a really big fan of The Headless Cross and those th- that pair of albums and Born Again and even Seven Star, I love those albums. And it is not the same band that it had been. To me, it seems to be a better follow-up to Long Live Rock and Roll because of mm. the injection of Ronnie as a songwriter. Um, and the perspective that he brought into the band. Martin Birch, and by the way, we're close to the 40th anniversary of the release of this album. It came out in, what, April, in April 1980, you know, yeah. right around the same time that Judas Priest, British Steel, um, Iron Maiden, the first album, and Def Leppard's first album. So that's kind of the contemporary groups to place it within. The, the production, uh, again, it takes it away from being what a... a what a Black Sabbath album should be. Ken, let's go back to you. And, you know, you said that you hadn't listened to this album previously. So why don't you run through your impressions of Heaven and Hell as a listening experience, as a first-timer, first-time well, offender? Yeah. <laughs> um, what I thought about it is uh, it sounded like a lot of other produced music uh, around that time. I mean, the guitars weren't, I wouldn't say, you know, way up front. Um, though, you know, it was it was produced very, you know, nicely by Martin Birch. Um, but I would have rather have had the only, my only criticism of the album, and this is it, because everything else is great, in, in my opinion, is, is I would have wanted a little bit more, you know, raw edge to the, the sound, uh, the guitar sound, uh, where I, I can, I can see where Julian's saying, you know, it's, it's too poppy. Maybe that makes it that way. You know, it's more of a, a, a slicker kind of hard rock sound. But having said that, it's, it's, you know, a, a bunch of great music. Um, I, I enjoyed, you know, all the songs, though I don't agree with, I, I think they released, they released a couple singles. Uh, the singles that they released, I was like, how could these be singles? It didn't seem like singles to me where, uh, what is it, the song I wrote down, uh, Walk Away. I thought that should have been, they should release that as a single. I mean, that's a great song, uh, at least to get airplay, stuff like that. Um, but, th- you know, top-notch musicianship. I know I, I didn't like this more of the sludgy stuff that I've heard from Black Sabbath. I, I like this a lot better than that you know i like more up stuff not you know bring you know mm-hmm. stuff to bring me down as far as sounds go or the subject matter um it's, so it's what, cool. what you're really saying is yeah. you you like dance sabbath dance it's, it's you know there's no dance there's no disco in on this album <laughs> uh it's a good rocking album um you know, I don't know if we're going to go over the songs at all uh, at, uh, during the point, but I think it's a, a really solid album, and I'm surprised I hadn't, you know, heard it before, except for I, I heard, of course, Heaven and Hell um, before, uh, not knowing what album it came off of. But, uh, you know, it's it's a solid and, and great and well-played album and sung. Yep. Lonnie. Obviously. My first impressions of it, um, you know, it, it was a new experience listening to it because, like I said, you know, I came from a household where Dio and Sabbath was, you know, we we didn't explore that, you know, because my brother was such a big Ozzy fan that, it, you know, we we never explored that, that you know, because like Julian said, Black Sabbath is Ozzy, you know, we didn't, we didn't want any part of anything that was Black Sabbath that didn't include Ozzy. So it, it was a different experience for me in my late 20s um, listening to it for the first time. But, you know, and it's it's a good re- it's a good record, but I have a hard time really labeling it a good Black Sabbath record. Because going back to a little bit of what Ken was talking about, you know, Black Sabbath to me 
is more of a you know is more of a it has a different feel to it than what this record is black sabbath to me is like electric funeral you know which is really just dark and dirty and you know death and this is much more happy and black sabbath just the name black sabbath doesn't invoke happiness to me and put a smile on my face and say all right this is good no black sabbath is dark and as dark as dark can be um but that that being said you know, it, it, it surprised me when I listened to it for the first time because it's not what I expected. Because when I put on a Black Sabbath record, like I said, I expect Hand of Doom. You know, I expect, you know, I expect really dark things. And, okay, well, you know, you know the, the first song on the album, you know, it it has such a different feel just right away. Neon Nights just, it, it's a good song. Don't get me wrong, it makes me feel like I could go out and run a six-minute mile or something like that still. But it but it it's but it's not Black Sabbath to me. So I I like it. I like I like some of the songs on there. You know, I like Lady Evil, you know, I like Neon Knights are two of the ones that really stand out to me. But to me, it, it really surprised me when I listened to it for the first time because it's not it doesn't have the same feel to me. It, it, it'd be great if the band was called something else and not Black Sabbath. Yeah. You know, I, I find I find these comments very interesting because this is because <laughs> no no because I, mean, because I, I like the album but it, that, that, that's no, no, that, I, that, I, that was Canadian for WTF no no, no <laughs> I, I, I find it <laughs> I find it interesting because um maybe maybe it's because I I love progressive music so much that I don't have an issue with bands changing as their careers move forward you know i i don't i don't like the idea of a band being stuck in one sound a la acdc for 20 years of their music to me that's completely boring you know i mean i don't want to hear hand of doom again for the 70th time 50 years later again i mean come on i mean and and i'm, I'm surprised because considering that we all here love kiss and kiss have also changed their sound throughout the years this kind of opinion that you're having about black sabbath goes against that in my opinion because that's like saying that you shouldn't like the elder now because, you know, it's not like the first three albums, you know. So I'm not going to like that, nor am I going to like Dynasty because that's not the same as their first couple of albums. I'm not going to like, you know, Crazy Nights because that's way too polished. That's too too radio friendly for my kiss, you know, we all especially have Crazy Nights. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, that, that's but, why I but find it... they didn't change their lead singer. Which is look what happened. They with changed bands everything like, else. Yeah, look what happened with bands like Motley Crue, put out MC ninety four on Quaternary, completely different sound and band, similar to how tra- um, you transition with Black Sabbath. What other bands have changed their singers uh, to a substantial Van degree? Van, we don't, we don't, we don't talk Van about. Van, Van Hagar <laughs> doesn't count. ACDC. ACDC doesn't. Well, yeah, I guess. With yeah, Bonnie, it does. With, with Bonnie to. Uh, Brian Johnson. To Brian, yeah. And I and I have to agree with Van Halen. I mean, Sammy Hagar was a major change, and they had their first number one record, ironically, with Sammy Hagar. So, change isn't always a bad thing. Yes, it is for Van Halen. In that case, it is. Yeah. Fifty-one (laughs) fifty is complete garbage. Um, but getting back to that, you know, kind of the songs on this, Neon Mm -hmm. Nights, very up tempo, happy. Happy Sabbath. I called it Dan Sabbath because you can almost think that the only thing missing from Neon Knights are some little hand claps to go with the Jordache jeans, you know, down at the, the, the rock club, you know, and, and the same with Lady Evil. You know, it's like happy Lady Evil. I'm sorry, Lady Evil isn't supposed to be up temple, you know, woohoo, snap, snap, get my maracas. Um, no, that is not Sabbath. It's completely losing the mood. And going into the Dungeons and Dragons things, you can see why Ronnie and Richie Blackmore were at kind of loggerheads with Rainbow because dragons and things got very old with Rainbow. So did Rainbow after he left. Yeah, and then Mm. Rainbow wanted to be more commercial. Now, is it not ironic that Sabbath is far more commercial on this you know, even if their choice of singles, Neon Knight, straight out of the gate, 
that is a very commercial single to be Boy. being released. That's almost trying to normalize Black Sabbath and make them consumer friendly to the new 1980s market, Mark. Uh, I don't know. I mean, as it, honestly, that's never the first thing that entered my mind when I heard it. I mean, when I heard Neon Knights, I was like, holy shit, this is pretty fast for Black Sabbath. Usually they're doing snail's pace music and they're playing. I'm, I'm surprised that Bill Ward didn't keel over after playing that song because, I mean, it's like three times the speed of anything else that they've done, you know. So, I mean, it's to me, I just looked at it as a more upbeat thing. It was more in line with what was going on in the 80s because the 80s was a lot more about, you know, upbeat faster music i think that that whole you know but back in first gear slow sludgy stuff was kind of going the way of the dodo bird at that time in the 80s that was looked at as dinosaur rock i think and i mean don't get me wrong i like that stuff i love a lot of 70s and 80s stuff i mean but honestly that type of slow music didn't become cool again until typo negative came out in the 2000s and that that's that's what I think. I mean, it could be wrong, of course, but, you know, but th I just think that that's a really good upbeat song. It has probably some of Tony Iommi's better guitar soloing that he's ever done. Right. Like I said, I think that he stepped up his game when Ronnie came in. I mean, Ozzy really, I mean, look, Ozzy did his thing with, with, with Sabbath. Okay. But I can't imagine Ozzy going to say, uh, Tony, I just really think you should do some more hammer-ons in this solo, or you should do something a little bit more. I mean, Ozzy was probably too drunk to even give a shit what the guitar solos were half the time. So I think that, honestly, Ronnie gave more to the songwriting than Ozzy did in that sense. I mean, maybe it's just not Ozzy's forte. I mean, look at his solo career. He had all kinds of people writing for him. Bob Daisley pretty much wrote everything for him and you know, for most of his career. You know, and, and then he had producers who stepped in and he had, I mean, that, that documentary for No More Tears is eye opening how little Ozzy did with his own music on that stuff. Like, come on. So I think that Ronnie was better suited for Tony and that music. Did they butt heads? Yes, quite a bit later on. But I just think that he helped them write better music. I mean, we're not going to agree with this, obviously, but that's just what I think of it, right? That's perfectly fine. That's really nice. Uh, Ken, you know, let's talk about some of the singles and maybe the songs that you think would have been either better choices than what was listed on this because they came out with Neon Nights, which we've all already kind of talked about, uh, or I have I haven't bashed it enough yet. Um, <laughs> it was followed by Die Young, which I just can't imagine why anyone would have thought. Why don't we release a real? I mean, regardless of mm -hmm. the subject matter the title you always have that first impression is from the title not necessarily listening to the song and it's a very unfortunate because it's an absolutely fantastic song um and then in some markets lady evil was a third single what do you think about those choices and if you were the a and r rep or whomever does that well, function what would you think <laughs> yeah i mentioned it earlier i mean i i didn't think i mean neon nights is a, a great song i think it's an fm song um uh, and talking about Tony Iommi's uh, uh, guitar solo, it's too bad that they faded that out at the end because he is really ripping at the end of that song. I, I was hoping that it would, you know, continue on and oh man, why they fade out? They could have, you know, just kept it going for another minute or whatever. Uh, would have been great. Uh, but I don't, I don't see that as a single I, to my ears. That's not that's not single. That's not something that would have played on the radio um, at that time. Um, and the other one, Die Young, I thought you know it's a great song. Um, it sounded more like you know like a precursor to Iron Maiden that song a little bit, just the way the sound of it was um, to me. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, I thought Walk Away to me, first time I heard it, and I've heard I've listened to it about four times now. Um, the the CD uh, and that song really stands out to me as it being the song that should have been um, the single. Uh, otherwise, you know, there's some other great songs there that, you know, I guess they could have released, but I think their song, their choices, that, uh, whoever it was, the record company, their choices were incorrect on, you know, putting those other songs out as a single. Lonnie, what's your take on singles? I like Neon Knights as 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 the lead. It's 
you know, again, as as a song itself, I don't have as a song itself, I don't have any any issues with it. I think and, and I think it's a great song. It's it'll it's a good you know song to you know get fired up to. I like it, and I like you know Lady Evil is is good as well. I I think that was I thought that was worthy of being a single. Um, but I was surprised. I, but I am surprised of of Die Young being the second single because I think I would have gone with either Children of the Sea. Or a radio-friendly version of Heaven and Hell. Radio-friendly meaning just mm-hmm. shortened, just shortened, because six minutes, you know, typically doesn't work well for a radio for a for an FM, you know, radio song. I would have, you know, kind of shrunk it down, shrunk it down somehow to four. And I think Heaven and Hell could have could have worked as well. I was I was surprised um, when I saw that Die Young was a single. It's like I think there's a couple on there that would that would work a little bit better. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, I'm honestly I I'm kind of surprised too. I mean, uh, Neon Nights I think is okay as a single, but I still think that there was would have been better songs to release on. I mean, I have to agree. I think Children of the Sea is a much more, I think, a better song to be played as a single. Um, and the other song I think that was pr- pretty good too is Wishing Well. I think that that song has always had mm-hmm. a kind of interesting kind of upbeat sort of you know it has a bit of acoustic guitar under as well i know that's very on sabbath but you know it's very uh catchy i mean if you're gonna put something on the radio and you want it to be a single you want it to catch people's attention that's the whole point of a single right so i think that that ha- that has enough of the uh ingredients in there to be a catchy single i, I mean heaven and hell as much as i love that song um I, it would not have been a good single. I agree with Lonnie. Just way too long. Um, but the, all the things that I love about that song uh, would disappear if they edited it. I mean, I especially love that. And I'll never forget the first time I heard the ending of that song, where it fades out and it goes into that, that uh, classical guitar bit at the end. I mean, it, I've always loved that fade out on that do 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 that little piece at the end. I remember for years just ripping my hair out trying to figure out how the hell is he playing that you know and then it finally dawned on me well it's two guitars one guitar is just doing the single noting the do 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 and all the other melodic line he's just overdubbed over top of it i mean but you know it's such a great great piece at the end of that song so but i mean it wouldn't have been a good single yeah i think it's inconceivable how they didn't come up with um a radio-friendly product promoter that really did the album justice, especially when Heaven and Hell has become a song that is probably in the all-time great lists of songs uh, in the genre. So mm-hmm. it's hindsight is 2020, and you can say, well, why didn't they do an edit of it? But in 1980, when Black Sabbath, you know, Black Sabbath and Heaven and Hell all in one sentence, then you. You just don't see that. Just, that's a bridge too far, I think. So I get why they would go with the up-tempo stuff like Neon Knights, which, you know, I, I'm kind of making fun of it because the, the comments about Bill Ward. Bill Ward is a completely different drummer than this material, which is why when you listen to later bootlegs and live recordings from the tour uh, and Mob Rules with Vinny doing the drumming on it, that was much more of an appropriate drum sound to the material uh, because... Bill's era and swing was again firmly rooted in the slower or yeah. more um, dirgy. I, yeah, I gotta use dirge. It's Sabbath, um, yeah. sludgy material. Doomy. Yeah, you know. So he he was a better mechanic for that sort of material coming with his background than I Vinnie, agree. than Vinny was. So singles. You know, Lady Evil, I think, is a, a great single. It's got the sort of commercial appeal that's acceptable, even if I did mock it and say it was missing Moroccans. Um, and then a, a second single, I, I just, I think Children of the Sea. I got to cop out because I, I can't go with Die Young as much as I love that song, again, because of the title. Wishing Well, I hate. I despise that song. <laughs> That just makes me think of Kiss's music from the Elder and the, you know, the, the well that there's. Yes. <laughs> so I'm polluted by Kiss, and it's a nice song and it's very pleasant, but it's just too damn happy for Sabbath. You're my wishing well. I mean, come on, those are not the sorts of metaphors that I really oh. need out of that band. Um, lonely is the word. 
again, mm -hmm. from, from a personal taste, I love that song. Walk Away is too happy again. So there we go. It, it's difficult to pick singles from an eight-song album as well. You know, it, it's under 40 minutes. It's eight songs. A few of them go on a bit long and need to be edited, so you get into a little bit of a pickle with that. Um, yeah. What songs and music, I guess, on the album? What are your top three songs off this album, Ken? Kind of going uh. in a circle. Top three songs. Well, that's going to be tough because uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on here. Um, I know I kept mentioning mentioning Walk Away, so I'm just going to throw that out right away because I already said it. Uh, that should have been a single, and I, I really like it a lot uh, every time I hear it. Um, I, I mean, I have to say, of course, you know, uh, Heaven and Hell, of course. Um, and what did I write? I wrote that... Well, it's not, I don't think it's my favorite song. Oh, well, Lonely is the Word is pretty darn good. Um, though I, I thought the beginning of it sounded like the riff right at the very beginning. They started off sounded like the Scorpions, the zoo, how the zoo starts off. Yeah. Uh, has that kind of riffage going on there at the beginning. But I'm not going to say that's the, the favorite one. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, where is it? Uh, Children of the Sea. Um, that that would be the other one. As if you can say the favorite three songs, those are three. All right, good picks, by the way. I I concur. I'm, I'm sure you're happy to have my approval. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Means a lot. <laughs> Means absolutely nothing. Uh, Lonnie, what, what, so are, much. what are your top three, and am, am I gonna approve? Well, we'll find out. Uh, my top three are. I got to go with Heaven and Hell. And I'm going to say, you're probably not going to agree. So I'm going to say Heaven and Hell, Neon Knights, and Lady Evil. Even though, you know, even though I kind of kind of bash the songs for being Black Sabbath songs, again, I think they're good songs. I just don't think they're, I don't think it should be titled Black Sabbath. I think the band should have been called something else without Ozzy. But um, Neon Knights, Lady Evil, and Heaven and Hell. I, they're both, they're both, you know, here, all, all of us like, like kiss and they're very poppy and and kind of like a lot of kiss songs are so i guess the the kiss um love comes shining through even with these these songs it's like why i picked them as my favorite i guess you just think around this time in april may 1980 mm. kiss was releasing unmasked and tomorrow very poppy you know <laughs> Or poppy, yeah. Mark, what are your top threes? I'm going to save mine to make sure that no one approves of them. <laughs> well, um, my favorite song off this album, for sure, has got to be Heaven and Hell. I mean, it's had such a huge impact on me the very first time I heard it and still does to this day. And even, like, seeing them do it when they reunited with Ronnie, I mean, it was it was almost a tear tearful moment for me. I was just just loved it. It was just incredible. And it was so friggin' loud that concert. I was like, just in my element. I was just could have just could have you could have went and like poured beer over my head at that point. I wouldn't nothing would have mattered, you know, at that moment. It was perfect. Um Children of the Sea, I have to agree, is a incredible song. Um it's interesting because um uh, in my research and I had heard this years ago and this was confirmed by a few books that I've read later, uh Ozzy Osbourne actually they have a version of Children of the Sea where Ozzy actually made an attempt at this. So they already had music for this back when Ozzy was still in the band. Mm. Um, whether it was the complete version that we hear on record, I doubt. But they had a version of Children of the Sea that Ozzy went on. But you can definitely tell what Dio brought to this song. I mean, the, the melody of it. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that that whole middle part was added in after when Ronnie came in. I mean, he seems to put those kind of huge melodic moments. And he's always been said that he's, lo he loves guitar solos. Like he loves hearing guitar players and good guitar players. And he's always had great guitar players in his bands that he's had. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was probably put in to his request, I think, to put a longer solo part in. Um, and the last song that I'm going to say, and you know, it's, it, you, you could pick anything off of here, but I'm going to just go with die young because uh, again, it was another one of these songs where when I saw them again reunited and they just killed the and uh, Tony Iommi with a spotlight comes out and just plays that 
solo part by himself, it, it was it was a great moment for me. So die young. Nice pick, and that's one of mine as well. And I was starting to interrupt you there because your uh, your mic cut out for a second, but you did come back. Oh. You came back, and you were able to make your point successfully. So. Um, I've got to go with title track. I've already said so, you know, but I think for my third pick on this, yeah, I'm going to go with children of the sea, you know, and again, neon and lady are, are great songs as well, but they just don't feel Sabbathy enough to me. I think Ronnie certainly brought a whole different style of writing um, that took a lot of the load off geezer, you know, and yeah. geezer's got some great bass on this album, some great, mm-hmm. great, based performances there are some of the little runs that he does particularly in children of the sea for me i just thoroughly enjoy where you can hear it I, I, but again i just wish that production was closer to like the live where you really get the emotion of the artist uh, performing the songs um is there a song on this album that you despise or strongly dislike or just eh, doesn't measure up to the rest and uh, you can take it or leave it ken it's hard. I mean, yeah, there's no song like that. I mean, usually there's some, almost every album you, you get, there's usually one, you know, stinker on the album. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really don't feel there is any, but if I'm going to pick, boy, I, I can't pick one. I really can't. I think no, it's all. No one ever has good. to. No one yeah. ever has to. So, you know, the whole it's, point. It's a pretty is... solid, it's a solid, consistent album through and through. <laughs> Um, you know, I wasn't expecting that actually, uh, based on some, you know, other Sabbath I've heard. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, this is great, consistent album. I listened to it, like I said, you know, four times now, um, cause I had just gotten the CD not too long before, uh, this episode that we're recording, but it's good. I, I, I don't have a throwaway or anything like that. Awesome. Lonnie. You know, I, I'm very close to echo, echoing what Ken said, that there's not, you know, a lot of, of clunkers on the album. And again, you go through, you know, most albums, you can find one or two that you can tell they're there just for filler, just to round out the time. But um, if I were to pick one, it would probably be it would probably be Wishing Well. It really doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, and that, and that, and again, that's kind of like just picking one for the sake of picking one. If I have a least, fa- if I have a least favorite song on there that I would throw out, it would be that one. It, but it's the, but the, on a whole though, the album itself is, it, it still surprises me, you know, how good it is, you know, despite my reserve, despite my dislikes for it as being a Black Sabbath album as I discussed earlier, but it's a good album and there's not much throwaway. Yeah, I think if I forced myself to kick a song off this, it would also be Wishing Well. But then again, this album wouldn't feel complete. It feels like it needs to be there and nothing should be removed from it. Because uh, that would just be, you know, I, I don't think for as much as I've said that, you know, some things about certain songs, I don't think any of those personal reasons are enough to kick the songs off as it's all part of, you know, um, the, the product and what is the greater uh, album. Mark? Um, yeah, I'm going to have to probably go with Ken on this too. I mean, I don't think that there's anything on this record I would remove on this album. Um, it's funny when I first listened to this album back when, you know, I was, you know, in my twenties and, you know, I was listening to master of puppets and, you know, everything was like, yeah, you know, really cool. And I listened to this and I was like, you know, I really loved it top to bottom, but I always, when I got to those last two songs, I was, so that's where I kind of found myself always lifting the needle off but that's when i was younger now there's just no way i would lift the needle off before and i remember one thing that kind of um that kind of really irked me the first couple times i heard this song and i have to ask lonnie of this because i'm wondering if this is some kind of a british thing or not uh, lonnie i mean julian not sorry Thank you. yeah yeah i was gonna say uh julian um in that song uh walk away the opening line is lord she's handsome is that an actual mm. known term that you call a woman handsome? I'm thinking that's almost sound like a British thing. You know, is that a known you, sort yeah. of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I've never heard of somebody refer to a woman as handsome, pretty, beautiful. Yeah. But I've never, I'm just wondering if, yeah. if it's just, because when I first heard that the first time, I was like, what do you say there? Like, it just really took me aback when I heard it. Could be but, referring to a mare. Transvestite. 
or a donkey. She, a, a, a creature. She's a little, <laughs> she's a little, ma- she's a little masculine. I don't know. Yeah, so, I don't know. That's, but that that was the thing that kind of you know stood out when I first heard that. But other than that, I mean, there's absolutely nothing on these songs that bother me or make me want to take them off and not listen to them. So the next question might be a little bit problematic if you haven't heard the Rainbow Catalog <clears throat> or Never Say Die and aren't familiar enough with it. And if you're not, just say pass, you know. Uh, but is this a, a reinvention or is it more a continuation of Never Say Die or Long Live Rock and Roll? Because I've mentioned what I see is the connections are closer to Long Live Rock and Roll, especially from Ronnie's perspective. Um Mark, I'll go back to you on that. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that um, because I got into Rainbow with Dio um, after I discovered this stuff with him and Sabbath. Um, and at first I was really into it because I found, you know, live in Munich first. And I was like, wow, like, you know, it was so kind of proggy in a sense because he were doing these like 11 minute versions of, you know, uh, catch the rainbow and all these songs like wow and they really stretched out guitar solos by you know richie blackmore and he's a great guitar player there's no question about that um but then i listened to albums that you know like long live rock and roll and i can see where you might think that it has that kind of you know continuation because there are a lot of things that are similar in some ways the production is very similar martin birch did work on long live rock and roll as well and you can kind of tell that sound is very similar drums bass very he has a distinctive kind of drum sound i find in his production that he does um and his voice too that he like how he treats ronnie's voice is very similar from that album to this album um so yeah i can maybe see a little bit of continuation on there but i i think that uh rhythm guitar wise tony iomi is just much better i mean dio himself said it in many interviews if if uh richie blackmore could just play leads for the whole concert and just have a keyboard player back him with chords, he would do that. You know, he's just not a rhythm guitarish kind of player, even though he wrote probably one of the most signature rhythm guitar parts with, you know, Smoke on the Water. But he, it's just, I find Tony Iommi is much more of a solid rhythm guitar player. Even Dio said that himself, he's a much better rhythm guitar player. So I, I think that it's a, more of a continuation of Rainbow than it ever was a continuation of Black Sabbath. Fair enough. Ken, do you have any comments on that? Well, not from the Sabbath side, but from the Rainbow, because I'm, I'm you know, familiar with uh, the Rainbow stuff and with Dio. Um, I think that the main similarity, yeah, is, is, is Dio himself is the, what brings the similarity between, uh, the, the, you know, Long Live Rock and Roll and... and uh, this album, um, it's just his, his style, his singing style. And, and I think that's the key, the, the key tie there. Um, as for, uh, the other, you know, Black Sabbath sounds, I, I don't think it's, it's just a total different sound for a Sabbath here. So there's no connection there, at least from, not for me. Yep. Left turn to Albuquerque. Uh, Lonnie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, obviously, I don't think that it has. If you listen to Never Say Die and listen to this, there's there's very little similarities in my opinion at all. I mean, it, it definitely has more. Uh, you can definitely draw more laterals to Long Live Rock and Roll than you can from anything Black Sabbath had done up until that point. So, um, I mean, it's it's as much as a left turn from Never Say Die to Heaven and Hell as, as Motley Crue was from. Dr. Feelgood to Motley Crue. I mean, it's it's night and day different. So, if if there's if there's parallels to anything, it's it's long. It's definitely long live rock and roll. There's no question. Yeah, but yeah. That, that Motley Crue comparison, I don't find MC94 anything like the Scream. So that's true. That's true though too. Yeah. That that really 
became an entity unto itself, that, that band. I mean, completely, completely new band. I have a quote from Bill Ward that I just want to read, and anyone can chime in if they have any. And he, he said, you know, Heaven and Hell was the beginning of a new band of which I had no idea what band I was in. It was almost like Ron was capable of coming up with lyrics that seemed to fit his idea of how Black Sabbath ought to be, and I sensed mm. a kind of unrealness about the lyrics. And obviously he did bugger off, uh, you know, what was it, during the tour or even before the tour? I don't, I don't remember. And I, I think that probably sums sure. it up quite fairly from his perspective, because one of the things I think we have all mentioned is that the drumming seems more suited to the earlier period. And how was he able to keep up with that without a lot of cocaine? Um, mm. <laughs> perhaps. A final question for this panel is where do you rank heaven and hell within your own personal Sabbath studio catalog. Cause I'm obviously not everyone will have experienced every single album and anyone a big fan of cross purposes, you know? So where does it kind of fit in? Oh, uh, not you, Mark. Oh God. We Lottie, know your opinion. Lottie, let's start with you. We first. know your opinion, Mark. Um, I have a hard time. I have a hard time ranking it above anything they did with Ozzy. I, I don't think I can do it. I, I think if I, if I rank my Black Sabbath albums, you know, they start with with Black Sabbath and Paranoid, you know, one and one A, and work themselves through to my, my least favorite Ozzy Black Sabbath album, which is Never Say Die. But and Heaven and Hell would, would come in somewhere after that. I, I, I don't think I could I don't think I could put it ahead of those. You know, just just to the case, you know that a lot of people can't put a kiss album above the original six because they, they, they look at those in a different light and a different standard. Um, those original six albums, like if you, if you put a non makeup album ahead of one of those, that's sacrilegious to a lot of people. So, and in the same vein, I, I can't put heaven and hell above anything they did with Ozzy because to me, that is black Sabbath. You really are Hmm. a sensible fella. It's interesting, though, considering the, how much you love. It, it, it's interesting considering how much you love revenge that you would say that because I mean it's nothing I'm like just, the. I'm first just drawing the comparison. I'm not saying I'm not saying for me personally. I'm just saying for a lot of fans, they would never do that. That Kiss is these original six albums, period, and then the rest of it comes in somewhere later. I'm not saying for me personally. For me personally, I like Revenge more than some of those original six albums, but. There's many, many a Kiss fans that would never put anything the band has done past 1977 above those original six albums. Okay, but you still, but, but then when we talk about this though, you're still but you would this still. Is, but, it's, but this is Black Sabbath. That's Kiss. Yeah, this is that's Black Sabbath. That's okay. Kiss. And we're talking a different. And it's totally and it's apples and oranges too because we're talking a different lead singer, a totally different music direction. Granted, we've mentioned. Talking too much kiss on the show, but <laughs> kisses had kisses had multiple music directions. But just for me personally, the, I, I can't I can't rank it above anything they did with Ozzy. Okay, that's fair. So so glad you approve. I was like, where's my popcorn? Um, <laughs> Ken, what about you? Yeah, the I mean, from the sound of stuff I heard earlier, and I mentioned it. I said I, I just don't, don't like the downer kind of stuff and the 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 sludgy kind of stuff um i think i did like dio when he you know like i said i I had his stuff his solo stuff when he first in the 80s um and it, it was great great stuff so that's why i think i really like this album a lot i think so i think this album it's my only really Black Sabbath album in my catalog right now, and <laughs> and and it's going to be my favorite one. Top of, uh, top of the pile. I, I might, you know, I think I might start listening to some other stuff again because I haven't really went back and and gone through it all. I mean, sometimes you need to go back through it all, and you may have a different uh, perspective on things. So, which has happened to me before uh, with other, you know, bands. So I'm going to do that and. You know, and, and feel it out and see how it is. But for right now, I think this is a you know pretty darn good album. It's, it's solid. It's really a solid album. Yeah, go on Spotify. Start at the beginning with Black Sabbath. 
and work your That's way right. work your way up or as far as you can go you know it's uh, not something that you always have to complete the mission but i think it's certainly worth always checking out a band uh for the first time i'm with lonnie there's no way this is going above any of the original sabbath albums you know even technical ecstasy even never say i actually love never say die i think there's a lot on there that is really underrated um and then i have the difficulty of where do i rank it within the dio sabbath albums you know the only the original three you know i love dehumanizer that has always been one of my Mm -hmm. favorite ones because of where i was at that age and it was metallic grinding heavy metal that was heavy 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 and a song like i um, yes. you know, just blew me away on Computer God and TV Crimes and all of that stuff. So it actually, I think I like Mob Rules better as well, because while the songs aren't quite as good, the drummer and the band fits the music that they were performing better than having that kind of odd man out. But it doesn't, it doesn't top Headless Cross for me which is just one of those complete maybe guilty pleasures so mm-hmm. it where's it rank at it ranks favorably i mean i i do like it but i do think it's a different band and it is like acdc that you don't judge the bon era against the brian era um the hagar versus david lee roth again two different bands it's you don't judge steve perry against arnell or Soto or who, whomever else filled in in that band on lead vocals. So, different band, great album. Mark, I will let you bring us to an end with where you rank this in your Sabbath catalog. Well, like I said, um, it all started for me with obviously the early Sabbath stuff. I mean, when I first started playing guitar, I embraced the early records because they were very easy to learn because it wasn't really complicated on guitar. You know, I'm and and I loved it because of that, and I just loved it because I just loved the music in general. I think um, doing this episode now at this point in my life and how I've developed as a musician and so on and as a listener, I think that my expectations of records and stuff like that have changed. If I was 20 years old and you asked me this, I probably would have been you know you know putting it lower than I have it now. Because I, you know, I did like some of those Sabbath era stuff, stuff pretty good, and I probably would have put "Speak of the Devil" very high up, you know, included that almost as a Sabbath <clears throat> thing because it, it it essentially is just Black Sabbath. There's nothing Ozzy Osbourne about that. It's just him singing Sabbath songs. But um, right now, and you brought up those other two records, "The Humanizer" and "Mob Rules," and I love those records. And this might sound very odd, but I almost loved The Humanizer equally to this record. I mean, it had such an impact on me as well when I first heard that record. It was incredible, that record. Um, But I have to say, I'm going to stick with my original assessment. I'm going to go number one for many reasons that I could go on for an hour and a half. Uh, The Black Sabbath first record, it will always be my number one record because it just had so many different things that it did to me as a musician and as a person. So it'll always be number one, but number two will be this record. It, it had the same sort of impact on me and it, it, except it just took longer for me to get to that point of appreciating it. At first it wasn't hit me as hard as the first record did, but through the years now, I really loved it. And the reunion with Dio years later really, really hit it over the head with me and really put it up to the position that it is now. Nice, and you actually have a, do you have a, a Tony guitar? Yeah, I have a Tony Iommi Signature SG. Yep, so nice. Well, that was a great pick. Thank you very much for selecting something that, uh, you know, was a first listen for one of the panelists. I hope that that can be a goal for us as we continue to do these album discussions. But we're also going to be talking about some bands and going through the catalog. We've been doing a, a very loosely structured Wasp chat and just going through that. And we do have some other bands planned uh, just mm-hmm. to, to discuss. And I get to pick the next album which uh, will be for the month of June, assuming the plague has not claimed us all. But, uh, you know, uh, what do you think of our opinions about this and where Heaven and Hell fits into the Black Sabbath catalog or your own 
your personal Sabbath catalog. When did you experience it, and what did you think of the change of Ronnie James coming in on vocals and replacing Ozzy? And I didn't ask the question. Uh, we will probably ask that question when we've done the Ozzy album. You know, who won the War of 1980, Blizzard or Heaven and Hell? Uh, that's a that's an episode unto itself, I think. So for now, from Lonnie. From Ken, from Mark and myself, thanks for joining us, and we shall see you next time on the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to us, like us, or even leave us a review. You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook. Facebook.